This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Previously on Ex-Wives Undercover, Amber is able to get a portion of the money owed to her from the judgment in her divorce settlement. I continue to plug away and try to finalize the parenting plan for Sydney. Amber and I continue to try to keep things secret as we prepare to launch the very first episode of Ex-Wives Undercover on October 30th. And all while that is happening, Ben and Elizabeth's relationship moves into the friendship zone and Elizabeth moves back home to Utah. Unfortunately, our podcast does not stay a secret for long because Amber and I soon receive a cease and desist letter from Ben's attorney. And when Ben's first attempt to shut the podcast down doesn't work, he decides to file harassment charges against Amber and I both. And by the end of this episode, we have now pieced together who Rachel is, and we have decided to reach out to her. Season 2, Episode 9, It Takes a Village. Once again, Ben never ceases to amaze me with the pure evil tactics he'll use to win at all costs. How in the hell does this man fraudulently file domestic violence restraining orders against us? The law was supposed to protect us, according to our newly five-year no-contact orders, yet here we are fighting for justice once again. As you're looking into the next court dates, because oh, we have to keep it on Ben, because there are so many, obviously, yeah. and we find the orders I, that he placed against both of us. I seriously oh had a freaking heart attack that day. And we all know my anxiety issues and mama genie, grandma genie, and you are like my go-tos of like, I can't breathe. Oh my God. I have one too. Ah, I'm going to die. Cause I first you were like, it's you. And you're like, oh yeah. shit, it's me. It's me, it's me too. It's me too. <laughs> I just saw like my eyes just zoned in on this domestic violence restraining order. And I'm like, no, it's just mentally exhausting. And I believe we were, you know, in contact with Deanna around that time because he had violated her restraining order back in September of 2020. And then he would postpone things and COVID have COVID have COVID. And I can't come. I'm got a car accident. I have a broken jaw. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I want to say she had reached out to us and she would periodically reach out, ask us for information about our cases that could help with her cases. And yep. I I don't know. I just happened to stumble upon that because I couldn't remember maybe our case numbers. So I was looking you up, I think first. And I, I think I typed in his name because I knew your name would come up for our no contact orders. And all of a sudden I was like, wait, 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 that's like a recent date. That's like an April, whatever. And so I'm looking at it going, oh my God. And there's a harassment one for you as well. So you actually That's had two. Right. There was two because he had yes. tried to file one and it was dropped. And then he filed again and brought more evidence. Yeah. Thank God for you because I would have had that on my record because I mm-hmm. never would have known. Both because of us. Obviously, he had, you know, put in a fake ser- notice of service and pretended he had served me. I don't know. I'm just thinking he's tried to do a restraining order on me before when you came. Yeah. Yes. He didn't get it. It was all bullshit. But always in the back of your mind, you're thinking, 
He's fooled and, everybody. And they've let us down before. Multiple and they've times. let us down. And so I remember mm-hmm. Bruce and I had consulted with him months prior. I had a 30 minute consultation. I was like, listen, we are going to start this podcast. We need to know what we can and can't say. We don't want to get sued. We don't make sure yeah. we're following the law. And so I had originally met him then. And I just, I was like, he's great. He knows his shit. And I know I'm going to call him. Good. He's expensive, but damn it. I am not going down. We are not going down like that. And he learned very quickly. I mean, well, right off the bat, when we're, he's like, well, here's what Ben has submitted. And we're like, no, first of all, he has not served either of us. And so right off the bat, it was fraudulent service. And so he's like, are you kidding me? With all of the previous court cases in family law, Amber and I thankfully had so much information readily at hand to submit to the court in order to protect us against the protection and harassment order Ben was trying to get against us. We knew that this was just a ploy to get our website and our podcast taken down. When I talked to Bruce, I I was like, oh my God, there's this is fraudulent. And he's like, okay, I need to be on board. Yeah. And that's when we talked and then he came on board and then I had the next judge. And he was such a dick. He was a sexist asshole. Um, he told me that if I was so afraid of Ben, then why did you and I have a podcast? Like, why were we talking a lot? If I was so afraid, why would I just be sharing my story? I should be huddled up in a corner, clenching my knees and rolling in a ball, basically, like a victim. I hung up the phone, barely knowing Bruce. And I was just like, like I was like yelling and crying. I was like, yeah, that motherfucker. I was like, he's such a dick. And he's like, it didn't go as bad as you think. I was like, he is such a sexist asshole. He basically told me that if I was really a victim, that I would not be sticking up for myself. That's what he fucking said to me. He's abusing me. He is emotionally, financially, verbally abusing me. He's abusing Amber. He is you abusing the legal system to try to get our podcast taken down. I'm trying to have a voice here. And it has and nothing help to do people. with domestic violence or restraining order, needing a restraining order. What he was using something else, um, as a means to take down the podcast. And Bruce saw through it right. And Bruce there. was like, "This is a First Amendment issue. This isn't it a clicked. domestic violence issue at all." Um, and he would never win in a in a. First Amendment issue because we dumped every bit of evidence we could possibly have at Bruce and his team. And they're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I've never seen this. And he's like, honestly, I mean, because we've talked about this in prior podcasts. We gave A yeah. to Z and then we started over double A, double B, double C on our Yes. 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 And they were blown away. Yeah. And I remember one of them was like, I- we've never seen this many <laughs> exhibits in our life. Thankfully, Amber had found the case information and saw that my hearing was scheduled that following Monday. I had one business day to call anyone I could reach out to at the courthouse and try to get some information. I explained that I hadn't even been served, so I didn't understand how this hearing was even going forward. After speaking to our attorney, Bruce, over the weekend, he was able to get the documents to me that Ben had turned into the court. And among those documents was a signed legal document stating that a man with the last name Crane had officially served me. Now, let's not forget that Ben had created, signed, and turned in a fake letter of service document, and he actually used the last name that was on his fake driver's license. Oh, hell no. That piece of shit was going down. And you kind of talk about him signing Crane. Well, dumb fuck. That's interesting because you do know that we've seen your fake ID with Crane as your last name. 
So yes. maybe when Good. you're filling out a fake service thing, <laughs> maybe choose a different last name. Let's not forget that I called uh, the Snohomish and King County yeah. and the, and the person who signed this proof of service was a person that supposedly was, they have to be in the registry of some sort with yes. the county. And he was never to be found. Bruce got to use that in court. Like this person does not even exist, but nice. And do you remember my super sleuthy move where I took an old IVF signature? Yeah, I had scanned. So I had a signature, like a handwritten Ben signature from an IVF document that we had signed years prior. I compared it to Mr. Crane's signature on and they were like identical. Do you tap into the fact that like he had this random crazy ex method like serving no, you and I haven't got to that part it's, it's so, so juicy, juicy. so <laughs> once we were able to prove that you were not served fault like falsely fakely so I he did hire a legit yes service company yes they lied yeah I actually was filming a pod recording a pod yes. with you recorded yes. Yes. When they knocked on knocked my on door, door. Yes. and so I'm going, oh, who's here? What the heck? Well, they're going to have to come back later. Whoever it is, that was her trying to serve me. Yes. She said in her paperwork that she served me at that exact time. Mm-hmm. And then, then they drove to my parents' house 30 minutes away. She wrote in her paperwork that we shared the same residence. So I think technicality says that you can do that if they live together, but we right. don't live together. And your dad was like. Nope, I'm not accepting this. Nope, yeah. Nope. Uh-uh, so she it. leaves it on my parents' doorstep and <laughs> she takes a picture saying, here's your proof of service. And my dad's like, fuck you. No. So then I'm reading this You're proof of service bitch. and the details. So I'm trying to figure out my rebuttal to prove and I'm pissed. So when I find out it's fake and fraudulent and this legit company lied because ultimately they get paid when they, they get paid serve. commission. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. So they want to make sure. So I'm livid. So it's six o'clock in the morning. I get this thing saying that I'm served and I'm like, the hell I was, I have proof that it wasn't. So I call the company and I might've put tigered. I might've threw out a couple F bombs. I did not threaten anybody. (laughs) I also said, I want someone to call me back today to tell me how in the hell this happened. This is not appropriate. This is completely out of line. Not cool. I am actually going to go to the better business bureau and report your asses. Like I'm entitled to do because I left that kind of scathing message, not threading anyone. It was their business line. <laughs> so he flips it. He says that I was basically threatening this woman's life and he had, had a personal cell phone number. Yes. He faked a text message from me from some random phone number. Yes. in Oregon. He I... submitted it as evidence of me <laughs> threatening this woman and that I somehow got her personal phone number. She's scared for her life. She's feeling, you know, threatened. And then he had the CEO of that company write a letter on his behalf to say that he's scared for all of his employees. Yes. <laughs> that if I can threaten his employees, then can you imagine what I did to Ben? And then I'm just so mad. I'm so mad. And so I remember telling Bruce, like, I'm going to cry. This is completely insane. And he's like, he- but did you call it? You're like, no, no. So then I start Googling the woman because I have her first and last name, the the girl, the lady that allegedly served me. So I'm doing my super sleuth work work, and I find out I see a GoFundMe page. Turns out she's a a meth head and she lost all of her teeth 
and she has a GoFundMe up for money. She's hard up for money. Ben probably paid oh, her okay. off to I lie. Know. He I even, know. so his sleazy lawyer at my trial, the lawyer's like, we have her on the line. She's ready I, to talk. And I'm like, like, you got the pay. How much are they paying this bitch? I know. I was dying going, you just hired a meth head. <laughs> I mean, I feel for her. I feel bad she's in that state of mind, but she obviously was in need of money. And when we returned to court the following week, the original female judge I had seen previously was once again presiding over the hearing. I was thankful for that, especially because I knew that the day before, Deanna had just had her hearing against Ben with the same exact judge. Therefore, she knew that Ben was no victim. Bruce and his team were so talented in drafting up our response and presenting all of our evidence that by the end of this hearing, the judge saw right through Ben. She made her ruling and she dismissed all of the charges against me. Next up, it was Amber's turn to be heard in front of the judge with Bruce. I knew she would be just fine. What a relief. We won our cases against Ben, but of course he appealed. He would do absolutely anything to win and will never take no for an answer. The tides were finally beginning to turn in our favor though. And by a sheer stroke of luck, there was a new law put into place in Washington state just months before that would restrict abusive litigation and was available to domestic abuse survivors. With the guidance of Bruce, we forged ahead and we were one of the first people to take advantage of this new law. For the next five years anyways, Ben is not allowed to take me to court. I'll take that win. His lawyer was coming at me mm. really bad. Like, yeah, really bad. Just saying just out of line things and just going for me and... I'm just thinking I'm going to lose, but he's like, I need to try a different approach because the shit fuck approach that I had with Athena wasn't working. So he came at you with another approach. I remember that. Oh yeah. He was saying, I was like cyber stalking him. um, He was mad that we talked to Rachel, Rachel, the one that reached out to us on our private Facebook group. He was trying to spin it and that I was stalking her and harassing her. And I was like, Oh, message from her from the other day i'm not stalking her she's reaching out asking me for more information this is ridiculous i'm embarrassed that we're in court right now over this so after after this happened i remember feeling so relieved and crying on the phone with you and we had a little talk with bruce and it was just like victory it was victory and right at that same time i can't remember if it was bruce actually no Bruce put us in touch with, I think it's called legal voice. This new law that had just been passed a few months prior, basically restricting abusive litigation. And it is only for women who have domestic violence restraining orders. And so I remember just telling Bruce, we need to go after this. And it was so quick and easy because as I'm doing my research, we we could show a pattern. So not only was this now the second time, he's also threatened multiple times to take me to court for restraining orders because True. I wouldn't sign off on my divorce or this or that. So he had already tried twice now to take me for restraining orders. There was every reason to believe that yeah. he would continue to take me and waste time. And I just hope that that transfers over to like all the 50 states because it's just, it's needed. You would think that each time Ben screwed me over, that I wouldn't feel as shocked and appalled as the time before. But no, I can honestly say that each and every time 
I still find myself absolutely blown away with how conniving and despicable he is. And you'd think that after the loss of my sister, he would give me some time to recover before unleashing his next scam that would clearly disrupt my life, right? Wrong. Only weeks after the loss of my sister, I received a letter in the mail from Child Support Services notifying me that I would need to start paying child support to Ben that following month. It also stated that if I didn't comply, I should expect to be garnished. Ben is collecting child support on me because he has filled out a form that he primarily has Sydney so he can get medical assistance for food, like food stamp, not stamps anymore, but it's a debit card, whatever. Um, and medical, financial care, the whole shebang. Because at this point he had two companies going after him. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a job. So, so he filed Washington state unemployment fraudulently. Yes. And so this was his ploy. So he didn't have to pay you. And in fact, he's trying to flip it to where you have to pay. I'm not going to say that he claimed yeah, I'm not gonna say that he claimed unemployment fraudulently because he lied to us all the time about his job. I honestly don't know if he was employed or not or what had happened there. But what he did was he went in as a person who was claiming and requesting benefits because he was a father of a child in need. So it's a little bit different. So he's requesting state and government benefits. And so what happens is if you request that, then the other parent has to come up with that money. So they came after me and they were so rude and so awful. So I called this woman. I'm like, so how can I be garnished? How is this even happening when less than a year ago, or maybe a little over a year ago, I have a legalized like judgment, a legalized parenting plan, a legalized uh, child support order signed by a judge placed how is this not in your computer system she said they are separate here's another piece to this puzzle because he still had all this money we he know had a chunk of change as he had we a know large chunk of change yes yet over 100k at least of which he then transferred to his mom mm-hmm so it's now out of his hands because he does not want me to have any more and he does not want you to have any more. And so he put himself as power of Correct. attorney. I have this in writing. He confessed to it. Um, yes. To our lawyer. Exactly. He's mm-hmm. moved it to his mom. He's power mm-hmm. of attorney so he can access it at any point. He yes. can go fly and see girlfriends. He could go buy a house. He could do whatever the flying fuck he wants to do. But not pay. But not money pay on his child. And not pay child support to me. All Ben ever did was put me down, harass me, stalk me, and emotionally and verbally abuse me. He would constantly tell me what a terrible mother and person I was. So in that moment, I told him that if he had Sydney full-time, there would never be a reason for him to ever contact me again. Child support would pay him directly, and that was that. Sydney would be with him full-time, and there was zero reason to ever speak to me again. I know some people will judge me on this, um, but... I completely and utterly lost my shit. I I couldn't even see straight. All I knew is that I would never be left alone if I was still attached to Ben. And I've expressed that Sydney can be really hard to deal with and hard to raise. And she was turned against me all these years. And that was challenging to bring her around, right? And she's got her own mental health issues. And so 
I have this coming from me for both sides. My sister's dead. My company went under and I'm receiving this garnishment paperwork and I just, I lose it. I called Ben. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. I give up. I give up. You could fucking have her. I give up. I don't want to be tied to you anymore. I, I'm going to die. I'm going to die in this world. And you're going to be the one that kills me and this and that. And I was going on, on, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't. Like, you will never leave me alone. You will never, mm -hmm. ever leave me alone. And I can't. I can't do this anymore. And you can have her. It just, it was boiling and it came to a head. And I was not purposely doing this to test him to see what he would say. But he got so scared and so nervous. He's like, whoa, Athena, you're Athena. I, I'm worried about you. Do, you. do you need to go to the hospital? He's <laughs> like, you need to calm down. Like, what are you saying? You're saying I can have her? I go, yep. If you fucking want her, take her. Just leave me alone. Like, I just, I don't want anybody to talk to me anymore. So when he left alone and like his tune changed suddenly, he was like, no, no, no. You're a good mom. You're a great mom. It's not that. I, when I filled this out, I didn't mean to. I wrote 50-50, I swear. No, it didn't. they got it wrong. And I was like, I'm looking at the paperwork, man. Yes. I was like, like, I can see the copy, you motherfucker, you know? You just And it had nothing to do down. with, I don't want my daughter. That wasn't even no. it. It's, I give up. Leave me the fuck alone. The following month, I had my child support hearing, and the judge was able to go over all of my evidence. The case was dropped, and Ben was on the hook for taking government money dishonestly. COVID's happening. It's a Zoom call. And Ben is not able, like, they're not able to get hold of him. And so he kind of forfeits a little bit, but she says, we need to proceed. I have all of his information. He's supplied everything already previously. I will take that into account. Now you speak. And she looks, you know, she was very neutral. But the worst part of all, at the end of it, she was like, I will let you know my ruling in the one to two weeks. You'll get a letter in the mail. Is there anything else you would like to say? And that's when I kind of went off about the caseworker. I'm like, this man told me, oh, it's not a big deal. You just need to do this, 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 and this. And that's what I said. You know, you think it's so easy. Not everybody has a printer to print things off. Not everybody can fax things so easily. Not everybody can leave their job if they're living paycheck to paycheck. And I'm not saying I was that moment, but I have been that person. It's not so easy. And his words were so breezy and light, like, oh, all you had to do is this and this. Now I jumped through hoops. And I took off two days of work because you had to reschedule the original hearing. And that's my fucking income. And I am commission-based. So at the point, I mean, at that time, that was the truth. Like I couldn't work. I didn't make money. And, and this is a big deal. And the way that this man spoke, it just, it just, it just felt very belittling. And so when she said, is there anything else in the closing comments that you would like to put on record? And that's what I just told her. I told her everything I just said, but the fact that I already, already gone through all this and I fought my way pro se, and then hire an attorney to get what I have now established and legalized and signed off by a judge. And the fact that you don't even have that in your system, that you just, and when I called, you treated me the way you treated me. Like, that's not okay. And I want that to go on the record. And she mm -hmm. said, okay, Mrs. Mrs. Nazarian. <laughs> Is there um, anything else? I go, nope, that's it. <laughs>
you dumb bitch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, and I could tell, and then wait, one more thing. She goes, Mr. To the case manager for who, who was representing Ben. She said, Mr. Gerald, I think his name was Gerald something. Do you have anything else to say? And uh, response or an, as in, you know, like you representing Ben and he goes, no, ma'am, I have absolutely <laughs> nothing to say. After I just was like, my sister died. And so- oh, yeah. Let me just tell and you. She goes, okay, well, that will all be on the record. And I am so sorry if I dealt this and you're going to have my response and I'm going to mail it to you. And I was like, you're a mail. Wait, what? So that was that. And then I got the mailing and it was dropped. And I can only assume that. And I've seen on his credit reports, not credit report, but I've seen online how like he owes money to back pay stuff. So I'm assuming all of the benefits that he was given, he has to repay. Let's be real. It took a village to win against Ben. Athena and I spent hours and hours of blood, sweat, and tears to put together a solid case against him. Avery wrote letters on our behalf. Deanna kept us apprised of her case to help with ours and multiple other people contributed to make it all happen. When it was all said and done, it was time to celebrate. Way back when we all first came together as Charlie's Angels, we talked about going on vacation together. And while a beautiful tropical getaway wasn't exactly on the agenda because of COVID, a girls' wine tasting weekend was in Oregon. Even though we had had the ups and the downs, the ins and the outs with all the other women involved with Ben, Avery, Dee, um, Deanna, no matter what, they still always had our back. And we were grateful that Avery kind of came back into like the Charlie's Angels group. So when they had found out that Ben was attacking both of us, they came to our rescue. They, all of them said, mm-hmm. whatever you need, we've got you. We will write testimonies. We'll write declarations mm-hmm. on your behalf. Do you need old text, email, text or email proof, anything. And, you know, Amber and I collected what we needed for our case turn it into Bruce. And, you know, it just, that's what we say. Like it was a lot of, you know, sweat and tears and blood. And it takes a village obviously because it was so much. And if we didn't have all of those women, if we had been through everything that we had, I mean, people go, why did you do this Avery? And I can't believe she did this. And then she came back around you know, and why did Deanna stay through that year, you know, for a handful of years, the up and down was so awful. Why'd you go back to him? And this not like same with us, but the truth is we all kind of like 360, we call came back around mm-hmm. and we had each other's back and we grew together and Charlie's angels. We always say was like kind of reborn again. Mm-hmm. And that is our village. And so yeah. at that moment, Avery is special, especially wanted to make things right. Yeah. And so she wrote a testimony on behalf of Amber and I both for court. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it meant I mean, everything. It meant the world. Did. And I know did. she feels horribly about how things transpired and we all do and say things that we wish we didn't. And she is human, just like I am human and you are human. And we've all, yes. you know what I mean? You can't hold Absolutely. things against people forever. And why hold yeah. that kind of crap in like let we it were go just as guilty in the past yeah yeah and at that point she said I am having a hard time forgiving myself mm-hmm. so to make amends I will do anything you guys need from me anything whatever yeah. you want whatever you need I'm here to help in any way I can and 
Yeah. And every little bit of piece of evidence in our court case was helpful and I'm sure it made a huge impact. So it yeah. did. And she did. She's clean slate. Yeah. We can talk shit and tell her anything now. We've come full yes. circle. Yes. Before we've talked about how we can only share little bits and pieces. But yeah. Now we can we can all say anything to each other, which led yeah. us. Yay. Yeah. After we had run, after we had won the battle against Ben, it brought us even closer, wouldn't you say? Oh, for yeah. sure. And so it, we couldn't wait to actually be together. And all that time, Amber and I have come together, but we had never been together in person with Avery. I know. It was like we all won. It was. You know, it wasn't just me and you winning or just me on the litigation, the restrictive. It was Absolutely. like we all had a win. We all took it for a win. Absolutely. Deanna got a win, but collectively, it was a win for all of us. We decided that we need to all get together. I know, finally. And we had originally talked about, like, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to Mexico. Let's do something extravagant. Well, COVID hit. Yes. So we were like, you know what? Let's just do a little weekend. You guys will come down to Oregon. We'll do yeah. some wine tasting. It happened to be the freaking hottest weekend I ever. <laughs> I, I think it was like 115 degrees. That is unheard of. We flew out in June. 1315. Yeah. Oh my god! The asphalt was like awful. Stick to your shoes, like we didn't it was even crazy. Really take very many pictures, but it was so fun. We laughed yeah. and we talked some shit and we, we shared some wine. Shared oh, stories. Yeah. Yes. Within two weeks of our fun-filled girls' weekend, Ben was up to his usual antics. The day after Fourth of July, Athena sent me a text message. It read. Ben's sister just called me and I had to send this message to Rachel, his girlfriend, just now. Hi, Rachel. This is Athena, Sydney's mom. Ben supposedly found in a park in California with no wallet or cell phone. They don't know where his car is either. Can you please let me know if you have any info? My immediate thought was, here we go again. What new ploy was he trying to pull this time? But after calling the hospital, he was indeed admitted. Athena had been in contact with his family and they explained that they think he had some kind of psychotic break and that he wasn't even coherent. Just when you think it can't get any crazier, Ben pulls out all the stops. This was a straight up Jerry Springer show. You saw he was found where? In his underwear. What? Say what? Say who? Say what is going on? Oh I my about gosh. died. I about died. Because, okay, tell us how you oh my gosh. found I this information. Died. So Sydney says, mama, like, uh, daddy's like sister that you just found, right? Uh, she, Rebecca, she's keeps calling me and I'm not sure because the last interaction that Sydney had had with her father was a bad one where the King County Sheriff's Department came and brought her back to my house. She was scared of him. So she didn't know if he had told stuff to his newly found family that, um, maybe we're going to have the will towards her or have something negative to say. So she was afraid to answer the phone. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah. So then Sydney's like, you know, I don't want to call. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be in trouble. I don't want to yell at anymore. I'm like, okay, well I'll deal with this. Like if she's saying that this is an emergency, like I don't know her at all, but I'm going to call her. So, <clears throat> so then I call her and she's very, very kind, very nice, very important informative, but not overly informative. Like you could tell she's got her newly acquainted half brothers, um, best interest, but she does explain like he was found in California in the Sacramento area 
in a park and he was only wearing his underwear. He was face down, incoherent. They had to take him to the hospital and we don't know where his car is, but I believe, and I've heard through the grapevine that you've had contact with the girlfriend, the recent girlfriend, and that she lives here. Um, and her name is Rachel. And so do you have her number? Can I have it? And I said, well, you know what? Like, let me get a hold of her to make sure it's okay. I don't know if they're together. I don't know if they're not together. I know Ben's tactics. I don't know if it had gone so far to where she would be upset that I gave out her number to a family member. I had no idea, but I just want to play it safe. I did not know Rebecca at all. So I call Rachel. She doesn't answer. I text her and let her know what's going on. She responds. She's not giving me a lot of details, but I could tell that she did not know that that had happened. She did not know that he was in the hospital, but I could, I had this feeling that she knew what might have led up to it. I say, they want your phone number. Is that okay? And she says, I'd rather not. Can you give me their phone number? Because he does stuff for attention. And I don't know if this is another ploy for attention. And I said, absolutely. 100%. I get that. Good call. He's done that to me. And that is exactly why I wanted to respect you and your privacy. So then I reach out to the family and I didn't want to hurt Amy's feelings or be rude. So I didn't know how to like exactly say it, but I just said, you know, like basically she's not comfortable and she doesn't know what's going on, but I've given her your phone numbers and she'll contact you which she said she would. She didn't in the next 20, 12, 24 hours. And so they reached out to me again, Ben's family. Um, and Rebecca the whole time was so nice and kind. And I was shocked because yeah. we know that Ben will make both of us out to be horrible monsters. So yeah. I thought, wow, she must be really scared, be scared for her brother's life because she's been really kind to me and she's being very neutral. And at this yeah. time, she already must have been putting some inconsistencies in his stories together. She told me everything that she knew, which was the his truth. Psychotic break of some she, sort is what they were guessing. She said that the last thing, okay, well, at first they didn't know because he wasn't awake. It took him a few days to be completely coherent. Did they think he was dead initially? No, but in the meantime, before he came to and could talk in a regular sentence, he tried to escape his hospital bed, crying and screaming. He got out of the bed. He ran all the way down into off the hospital floor into the parking lot where they kind of had to tackle him and put him in the wheelchair and wheel him back because he had a brain bleed. He had burns on his body and the front of his body looked like road rash all the yeah. way down from his thighs, all the way down to the tops of his feet. The bottoms of his feet looked burnt and just raw. So I remember calling the hospital. Do you remember it. this? So when yes. you first reached out to me, I'm like, oh, this, is this real? Is this Hashtag real? ex-wife's undercover. So I ended up calling the hospital and I remember going, no shit. He really is there. We find out later. We believe it still is to a degree. But it went south mm -hmm. in a big way. Mm -hmm. Whatever he was doing to win Rachel back um, came back to haunt him. And he got his ass beat somehow, some way. If it was by strangers, a gang, the police, someone random civilians, somebody kicked his ass and he ended up in the hospital. Because there was so much injury that I don't think he was able to do that on his own. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I've seen the pictures. Yeah.
he was very drunk the night before. Yes. If I remember correctly. And he was so incoherent. Someone called the police on him at the Safeway. Yeah. For getting <laughs> and, into the wrong vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Saying that the same vehicle that he thought he was getting into his rental car was this other much older gentleman's vehicle. And it was an accident is the story Ben gave us. But right. people from his hometown and the people that he spoke do, he has told them other stories. He has been milking this big accident for oh, everything now. My he has gosh. a traumatic brain injury now. So mm-hmm. I can't show up to court for this. I can't show up to court for that. He's now trying to file bankruptcy. And so far he's pushed it out three months now because um, of the brain injury. And I think he says he has COVID too, but. Oh, he said he has COVID like so many times. So what really happened on the night of July 4th? Ben had given us his version of events, but Amber and I weren't buying it. Therefore, if we really wanted the truth, we would need to speak to someone who was actually there. And who better than Ben's biological father, Chuck? This is what he had to say. He was found in the park, face down, wearing, you know, in his underwear, and he Mm -hmm. was in the hospital. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but was that the story you initially were given when he woke up, too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that he was found in a park? Yeah. Well, not the initial, the whole thing was, I found out that he, he was drunk, and he, was, and he went into a liquor store mm-hmm. and, and got lick, more liquor, and he's coming out, and he said he got into somebody else's car, and it looked mm-hmm. like the rental car he had. He right. He so next thing, a guy, guy came up there and picked, picked him up. He turned around and tried to get in this guy's car, got in the car. Guy came up to him and said, what are you doing in my car? Pulled out the gun, pulled him out of the car and threw him down on the ground and then to get out of here and leave my uh, leave my car alone you know and so brandy took off and went across the parking lot well in the meantime when all this is going on the lady in the store called the police the police came and saw him running and they chased him across to the park and that I was told that he that they uh, he resisted arrest and and they had beat him up and that he he was down to his skivvies. Yeah, you know, that's that all that <laughs> yeah. the police officers ripped his pants off. <laughs> like, what? Sorry. Like so so he wasn't found in his underwear. Off. They tackled him and ripped his pants off. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> Pants. He didn't have shoes on. So they end up taking him to the hospital. And so myself and Rebecca went there. And that's when he, he, uh, he wasn't conscious. I mean, he really, really was out of it. Because they tased him too, didn't they? Huh? I believe they tased him. The taser gun? Oh, it probably did. Yeah, that's why he had burns on the bottom of his feet, but he was trying to say somebody was putting out cigarettes on his feet and drug him, robbed him. Yeah. You guys knew the real story. Maybe she just didn't want to tell me because she did. Becky didn't know me, you know. Yeah. Brandon had painted me as a bad person, so she was probably maybe just keeping it minimum, the details, to keep him maybe protected at that point. 
Okay. Yeah. So he wasn't found in a park. He was chased into a park. A scuffle happened, and he ended up on the bad side of things and had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Okay. That's it. And and, and when he got there, he I mean he he was on a stretcher and they brought him in and waited until he got into wherever the room they put him in. We waited like two hours, and then we finally got to go up to the room and everything else. And he acted like he didn't know where he was at. And so, between me and Rebecca, we stayed there two days to see how he, you know, if he would come out of it and everything. And then he did. Then the nurse just told me what condition he was when he came in and all the bruises and everything all over his body and everything. And he had had a broken tooth and a black eye. And and they bucked his lip, too. And so the lady showed me all the pictures and stuff like that. And uh, that's when Brandon turned around and was conscious and said, well, I'm going to file charges against him. But that never happened, you know. Yeah. We just. What did the doctor, did you get to speak to the nurses and doctor? Like, what did they say the extent of his injuries? Did he have a brain injury because no, that's yeah. the story he's going by. Yeah. And I actually tried to get the police report, and they won't release it to me. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what the police officers wrote about what exactly happened in the scuffle. But um, did they talk about a brain injury or anything? Yeah, they say he had a concussion. Okay. Well, that's very different than yeah. <laughs> severe brain. Yeah, no, like a concussion. He makes everything more than really what what it is, you know. Yeah, I mean the guy was drunk. I mean, literally drunk, you know. And uh, when it when it took um, took him to the hospital, and what is the blood count was one point three four or something like that. And but he was, I mean, he he yeah, he smelled like he was drunk. So, I mean, and I took it at face value. But then after I heard everything that went on, and he told Rebecca one thing, and then when I came back to see him, he told me another thing. Mm-hmm. So I just hushed it up that he was, wasn't telling the truth. As the saying goes, there's always going to be bad stuff out there. But here's the amazing thing. Light trumps darkness every time. And in the darkest of darkest times, there were little stars shining ever so brightly. And their names were Athena, Amber, Deanna, Avery, Dee, Daisy, Lexus, Opal, and Sydney. And the list goes on and on. They exemplify strong women who stand together when things are rough, hold each other up when they need support, and laugh together when there's no reason to. And to all of the women who might currently have a bed in your life, you got this. Love yourself. Trust your gut. And if all else fails, call the A-Team. You probably thought that was the end. Well, when it comes to Ben, it's never the end. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. I know I always say that what happens is like shocking, that I should be shocked. But no. Once again, I'm saying it again. It is shocking and mind-blowing, and it's so fucking crazy 
I'm just thankful that I'm just an active bystander watching bitch. the shit show. You or go in. You're so fucking lucky. I'm just making dinner and I get this text message and it's D. Um, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Are you kidding me? Is he, does he live here again? And I'm like, oh, fuck. We know what Ben's capable of. Do we want to meet him? This is the evening. I don't want to meet him in a dark parking lot where he uh, has a pattern of keying cars, uh, slashing tires. They um, came in. They asked her his name. And as soon as they did, six police cars rolled up and the canine unit. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.